Welcome to this week's adventure with Lindsay Zimmerman, who's the host of Better Than Podcast. That's how I connected with Lindsay, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys tonight because you're going to be getting a glimpse at literally all of life's biggest adventures. Uh, We're going to touch upon kids, mortality, ghosts, and in general, how you can uncover a life of passion and purpose. Hello everyone, and welcome to Archives for Aliens, a podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth, consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. What makes you tick? (laughs) This looks to me like the main thing that I'm focusing on right off the bat is the hind quarters of um, possibly a rabbit. And they're sitting with their legs kind of splayed up in the air um, on what looks like um, a toxic goo that's kind of taking over the nature around it. And uh, the reason that it's hindquarters, although maybe it's maybe it's more of a rat because I see a long tail maybe, but it's only the the hind end of the animal and what's coming out of the top of it is um, grass and these spore like creatures like a uh, like a dandelion that has gone to seed or something like that and all of this in front of a black background that's what I see how do you think that relates to something that you'd like to share with the world tonight Mm, well, the toxic looking goo at the bottom certainly makes me think about everything that's going on right now and um, all of the toxicity that's kind of seeping into people's minds with all of the politics and um, fear around getting sick and all of these things that kind of do creep into our minds like toxic goo, really, you know, Um I wish I wish I had a better reference for what the animal was because it seems like he could be some sort of rodent. I think a mouse or a rat maybe. Do you think that the animal represents somebody in your life? I don't know. I'll have to think more about that. I'm not sure. It doesn't speak to me in that way right off the bat, no. But um, I will say that all of the little spores coming out of the top of the rodent um, makes me think of possibilities. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, like how you can put like a little microorganism into the ground and it just like replicates like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's nature. That's nature. Interesting. 
So along the lines of that, uh, one of the first questions that I've been asking all my guests lately, uh, just so we can get a sense of who you are as a person, um, what do you believe about the nature of reality? That is such an awesome question. Um, I'm going to hit my vaporizer real quick while I think on that. I think that reality clearly isn't what we think it is. And I think the reason for that, for this miscommunication between us individuals and reality is because <clears throat> for generations now, um, nobody's ever taught us how to perceive reality. Nobody's ever actually talked to us as small children and, and said, this is how you um, uh, interpret the world. And so, uh, you know, a lot of us are maybe a little bit like rats in a cage, like coming back to the rodent, you know, a lot of us might feel like rats in a cage because um, there's so much going on in, in the world and in reality that we don't know how to interpret. And so uh, that can make a lot of people feel trapped. But also, I feel that the nature of reality is to support us. And so if we can understand how reality functions um, on a deeper level, we can actually gamify it and get um, on the same team as reality so that it starts working for us even harder. And it's completely possible. It's just a change of thinking. That's really all it is. I'm totally into the reality as a game thing. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Are you into simulation theory? I'm interested in it, but mm -hmm. I can't say that I believe simulation theory, but for me, it's more of like a mindset, like mm -hmm. the idea of like, oh, I'm living in a game. I can do this experiment and see what happens and just viewing obstacles or challenges and like what's coming at me is like, what would I do if I were playing a game? Like, it just makes it a little bit more lighthearted, I think. Yeah. And I like the idea, um, and this isn't my idea by any means, but I like the idea that we can toggle back and forth between like first, uh, uh, first person and RPG, right? So like we can be the observer, observer kind of floating above, watch, looking down at everything and seeing the big picture. But then when we need to, when we need to be effective, we can hop down and look through it like first person, you know, shooter and be like, oh, there's an obstacle, there's an obstacle. Um, but either way, no matter which version of the game you're playing, you still, once you understand the rules of the game, you still have the remote control in your hand and you can play however you want. I've never thought about it like that. I love <laughs> that because it does make so much sense that it, that is why I like it because you can be both people. You can be the person playing the game and you can be the person like, yeah, observing, you, can be observing a, yeah. you playing the game. Yeah, observing yourself running around like a little minion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I forget to do sometimes. And then when I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I can step out of this for a second and just step back, look at the real picture, at the whole picture, and then um, recalibrate, you know? Because, mm -hmm. gosh, like, I don't know about you, but I've been having to recalibrate like mad this, win this whole year. Well, this, this whole year. Yeah, especially this winter. Mm -hmm. this winter's been weird I have to say oh. I get a little bit I get lost as the observer 
Oh, I wish I had that problem. I'm sure everybody wishes they had whichever problem (laughs) that they didn't have. Yeah, but I understand what you mean, because then if you're always observing, it's hard to actually come into action, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do action. I do stuff all the time, but it's maybe just like from this perspective that's sometimes so big that I'm like, okay, also I have to shower and <laughs> Same. eat <Yeah>. dinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, I haven't eaten for a while. Like I need to take care of myself. Yeah. 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 It's weird. It's the, yeah, the game analogies. It's, I like it. Yeah. I think it's yeah, all about the- fine tuning the knobs. Yeah, for sure. Getting your settings right, you know, and your bandwidth and your connection and all of that, getting it all lined up so that the game can run um, functionally how it's supposed to, you know, if there's a miscommunication between the software and yourself, then um, it's always user error, right? But if you understand the software and you understand the rules, then there's no stopping you. Like you literally, literally will become a god in the game of whatever you're playing, right? So in the real world, um, there's so much more power to be had just by understanding how reality works. Yeah. yeah. What life experience or happening like led you to start thinking about all this? Um, when I was a little kid, um, I, I was never introduced to nature in like, a um, organic way. Like we interacted with nature, um, as like a means to an end, like we would go camping, but, um, we were never encouraged to like, you know, observe the ants or, you know, anything like that. Um, And then one day I was walking home from school with my best friend when I was little, and we uh, had to walk through this park. um, And there was a couple there and they were um, bird watching. And I was like, I could, and I was a shy kid. So for me to like talk to them was kind of unusual in itself. But I asked, you know, what are you doing? And they said, well, we're bird watching. And I said, why, what are you, you know, why would you do that? And they, and then the um the male he handed me his um binoculars and he said well look at these birds up here and he started pointing out their personality to me like he had been observing birds long enough to understand their personalities and he was explaining how he interpreted these two birds communicating with each other and it blew my mind and i just realized like i think i was seven or eight but i realized like oh i'm not living correctly because this feels right to me like understanding this language of nature feels right to me and why don't why why does nobody that i know communicate or or live in this type of reality and of course i didn't put it in those terms as a small child but it definitely felt very right and very true to me um And, you know, you hit your teen years and you go off on whatever wild tangents your teenage mind takes you on. But I kind of always came back to, I'm not living right. I don't know what right is, but I know that this isn't it. And I know that it includes a deeper connection with nature. Um, And so I've just been seeking it out ever since. 
that's amazing that especially like you, that you remember that story that specific incident at the- i'll never forget it it was like that it was the first time like the first time the veil was lifted for me you know mm-hmm. and has it been like a linear trajectory where you're just like looking here and then this and then no oh my gosh no um you know i mean i've had kids and i've been distracted by conspiracy theories and i've um uh you know been been self-employed and all of this stuff and so there's always like when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, there was always an excuse to keep playing the game how I was, as opposed to um, actually reading the rule book, I guess. And so I was just kind of um, Napoleon Hill talks about the law of hypnotic rhythm. You know, um, you you set on a course of drifting away from your path and. And the longer you drift, the further away you get. Um, but there was always events that brought me back, you know, like um, I, I'm a firm believer in the idea of trauma-induced consciousness, you know, and mm-hmm. in my 20s, I had a few traumatic experiences that really um I had no choice. I had no choice but to open up my eyes, you know, and and to start force myself to see the world in a different way. Um, And part of that was um, realizing that I had expectations on the people that I loved around me that were maybe not fair, but also part of it was like going deep down into conspiracy rabbit holes and realizing that while not all of these conspiracies are true, enough of them are true that um, I can't trust reality as it's presented to me. And I have to actually investigate and dig for what I feel is true. And I also can't just expect or um, um, accept truth. I have to really, I mean, I have an obligation to myself to weigh that, you know, whatever is uh, um uh, the established truth, I have to weigh that against my own morality and my own ethics and my own spirit and see if it feels true to me. Um, and since I've been, uh, since I've recognized that that's uh, maybe a more productive way to live your life, um, it's become a lot easier, you know, and uh, I make a lot less mistakes and um Yeah, it it's a practice, you know. Oh it, yeah. You you, pra- you practice at remembering all the rules of the game, you know. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting parts for me, and I I totally relate to a lot of what it sounds like your experiences, like trauma and coming back to your path and the the remembering. But I think one of the weirdest parts for me, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is like once you're more aware. And you actually know more about, I guess, what you would call the rules or, like, the way that you can do things. Then the more intense it gets when you do make make a mistake or mess up. And I don't know if I really believe in mistakes, but you get off path. Yeah, although I've gotten better at realizing 
when I've made a mistake and why I made that mistake and how to look at it as an advantage. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a, there's a reason for everything kind of person, Mm -hmm. you know, and however rational or irrational you might find that viewpoint, it is very helpful to stop in the middle, um, especially in the middle of a conflict or after something really traumatic has happened to say, I know that there is a kernel of advantage in this for me and how can I find that as opposed to feeling assaulted or feeling blighted or, you know, like the world is unfair, ah, you know, instead of, instead of that self-pitying kind of attitude that I had when I was younger, I realize now that I can just say, okay, well, this sucks, but somewhere in this, there's an advantage for me. And that's my job. My job is to find the advantage. Um, And that makes everything easier because instead of dealing with all of those horrible emotions that you have to like process, and I'm not talking about like spiritually bypassing, you know, if something sucks, it sucks. Like say it out loud, like this sucks, you know, but, um, okay, I did that. I can let that go. How can this help me? Because I'm not willing to accept that this is only to my detriment. So I'm going to find an advantage. And endlessly, there is always an advantage in every situation. It's all, it's honestly mind-blowing. Like you were saying, like, uh, I feel like the universe trips over you or trips over itself to help you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> What, what's the most interesting advantage that you found? Um, I have to say it happened just recently um, because it was the first time that I was actually actively, um, intuitively working toward my purpose and trusting that intuition as opposed to kind of having an idea of what my intuition is trying to tell me, but then also second guessing it and trying to rationalize and use my rational brain to um, work my way through whatever it is. This time I just was like, okay, well, this needs to be done. And I, and I feel that I know the right answer. So I'm just going to trust that. Um, and it, it sounds too esoteric, so I'll just tell you exactly what it was. But so from, um, my day job was a hairdresser for the last 16 years, I've been a stylist self-employed and, um, from October to the end of November, I had an 80% drop in my income. Um, that was when my area was spiking with uh, COVID cases and people were just very scared and they didn't want to come into the salon. And so, um, yeah, they were canceling left and right. And I realized that this wasn't sustainable. I mean, at first I tried to rationalize like, well, this is going to get better because when people can get a vaccine and they feel less nervous, they'll be more willing to go out in public and it, it'll all just kind of blow over. But then I saw the media coming out and saying, oh, well, you know, now there's a new variant that the vaccine doesn't address. And even if you do get a vaccine, you should still wear a mask. And now they're saying, you know, you should wear, you know, two masks or four masks or whatever it is that they're saying is is ridiculous. Um, But I just realized, oh, this is actually never going to be over. This is going to continue. And however people 
however much people want us to go back to the way things were before, they never really are. And this actually is the new normal, is fear and um, instability. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, well, I need to, I need to be as agile as possible. So if people want to still see me, then maybe I'll just go to their house. You know, instead of making them come to the salon, maybe I can just do house calls and I've got other avenues of income that I can pursue. This isn't the end all be all of my, uh, you know, earning potential. So I need to be flexible in that. And so I understood that kind of on an, in an intuitive way. And so I did that. And then within two days, it was less than two days. I got a call from, um, my podcasting mentor asking me to help him with his project. And if I had still been in the salon, I would have had to say no, but since I didn't have to, I said, well, sure, I can do that. Um, it was in a very limited way, but very quickly we realized that I could be a lot more help to him than we had first originally realized. And now this is a way that I'm also earning money while helping my very dear friend with his stuff that's important to him. And so when I say, you know, the universe trips over it, itself to help you if you I, I've just found if I take the leap of faith and I trust myself and I trust my in, intuition I can't go wrong and it's a little bit scary and exciting and um, unreal you know yeah I mean I have no idea how I've ended up in the life that I'm in at the moment so I totally relate to that As what do you got going on? What's so what's so mind blowing that you have going on? Um, I mean, the main thing, the general thing is like being mostly an artist. Like that's something I, I thought that I was going to do that when I retired. And then a series of events happened and I got really sick and I had to leave this program that I was in. And then I was like, no, I'm going to do that now. And it's like blossomed and bloomed and I'm like still doing it yeah that's amazing like that's what you were supposed to be doing the whole time yeah and the universe was like no actually you are not supposed to wait you're supposed to do this now. yeah I mean I was you know kind of headed towards a route where I'd be like working in a lab all the time researching stuff that maybe matters maybe doesn't I don't know I'm a huge science nerd which inspires a lot of my art and I love learning I love researching um but the system sucks <laughs> the older i get the more i realize i'm trying to i mean i kind of always have been trying to like avoid the system in any way that i can like i dropped out of school when i was 14 and never looked back i was like this is not for me i know that i'm intelligent but this is not the environment I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. in, you know, when I was 25, as soon as I possibly could, I became self-employed. You know, I was like, I can't have a boss. I can't have somebody who actually thinks that they have authority over me. This doesn't feel good, you know? Um, and I feel like, gosh, our systems are um, assuming more and more and more authority for themselves all the time. I know it's such a scary thing. I do. I have a part-time job at a really awesome nonprofit, an arts nonprofit. Um, but I guess it's kind nice. of like a rebel, rebel to the system, place anyway, right. so we can all be ourselves there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And just even if it's not, even if you're not your own boss, like just to have a sense of autonomy and not having people tell you what to do all the time, you know, they're, they're willing to accept you as you are and the needs that you have, as opposed to wanting um, you to fit into uh, the mold of what works for them, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm And one of the things I'm really interested in is bringing all of this knowledge to like high school students. Uh, the younger, the better, right? Get them while they're young. I pro- I think high school, I'm not sure, but I think high school might be the youngest. Well, I don't know because I had a guest on my podcast named Sunil and his whole thing is intuition. And he is actually with his daughters developing a program for children to teach them how to use their intuition like a tool. And he said, the younger, the better, like five. Yes, we can teach a five-year-old what their intuition feels like and how to use it. And I feel like, God dang, if I had a tool like that, when I was a little kid, my life would have been much, much different. Um, And I just think, you know, Little kids are so full of possibilities anyways. Um, what if they really felt that they had no limitations? What what could we have in the world if children were allowed to create the way adults are allowed to create? Um, so Sunil, for example, like, both of his daughters have nonprofits. Oh, wow. Um, his one daughter, yeah, his one daughter, I think she just turned 14. And um, she... Uh, raises money by getting people together with disabilities and they paint together and then they sell the paintings and they raise money that way. Um, And then his other daughter is actually working on like a a shark tank type program to help children develop their ideas into actual marketable businesses. That is a power family. (laughs) Yes. And I think his youngest daughter, she's nine, you know, She's like, well, if I can do this, everybody, all the kids can do this. If I can come up with my own business, every kid can do this. And, and I mean, like I said, children have endless possibilities. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think we need to wait for them to mature. I think, I think that if, they, if those ideas are nurtured, they can really come into fruition, you know, mm-hmm. especially being guided, you know, having guidance from parents about the way the world works, because children don't necessarily understand that, or maybe they understand it better than we do, I wonder sometimes. Yeah, but, no, I, I yeah. totally agree. And I didn't mean to say, like, that in general, we shouldn't teach little children. I just meant I'm, I'm only comfortable with high school. I don't, I don't, wouldn't know how to, how to, like, translate this I, into for five-year-olds. Maybe not yet. And honestly, yeah. And honestly, I don't have any interest in working with other people's (laughs) children. (laughs) I love my children. I just, I, and, and I'm sure other people's children are great, (laughs) but um, that's, I I know that's not where, where my purpose Mm -hmm. is, you know? Yeah. But some, but for somebody it is for someone out there, it, it is to help like, Oh, spark curiosity and imagination and possibilities in children and I think we need it a lot yeah and the type of material that maybe you and I will talk about is a little adult for them but um they're so capable yeah just a little and they're bit so just a little tiny yeah. bit we could just tone it down yeah a little yeah grade. just yeah you know and you know I try to really like keep my sailor's mouth under wraps around kids 
I would not be a good teacher for that reason. They would go home cussing and, you know, it wouldn't be good for anyone. How would you describe like what you think your, your purpose is? And it can just be like today. It doesn't have to be any grand statement. Sure. Um, well, I've actually, I've thought a lot about this and I've been thinking about it for a long time because I have a project that I've been working on for about 13 years now. And um, it's something that has always had a hold of me. Like I would think, oh, well, that's a cool idea, but you know, whatever, I'm too busy. I can't think about that right now. And then um, I wouldn't be able to let it alone because I would think, well, you know, if I added this aspect to it, then, you know, that would solve this problem. And, you know, so basically I've been obsessing over it for 13 years. You know, it's got like the idea has its hooks in me and it won't let me go. Um, and I realized a few years ago, or maybe, or I guess it's been a while now, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, that my purpose, I think that the reason I'm here is to help people, um, help people realize their full potential. I think that's what I'm here for, because um, if I look at the world and, you know, where I could possibly help and all the situations that are going on and, and all of the things that I would like to help, the one that hits me the hardest is um, how people don't really understand what their value is. People don't understand what their worth is. And it's it really, I mean, I, I think that that is the worst problem that we face in the world is that people either don't understand how important they are and how um, special and creative and powerful and beautiful that they are, that they have something to contribute that only they can contribute. Either they don't realize that or they're actively pushed down so that even if they do have that realization, they don't have the confidence to be able to fulfill it. And that to me is the greatest waste happening in humanity, you know? And I, I think about the world that we could live in if every human being had the opportunity and was encouraged to fulfill their potential, what kind of a world could we live in? I mean, I'm, my, my brain goes to all of these like beautiful sci-fi fantasy sceneries of, you know, magical cities and, you know, people flying through the air at will. And, you know, I just think we're, you know, humanity is capable of so much amazement. Um, I think that what we witness and appreciate today is just a fraction of what's possible. And I want to live in that world, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. And especially just like, you know, looking around us, like we don't live in a conducive environment for that. So if just one person or two people start taking the steps to support others and they're living out their unique potential, I think that's really all it takes. Just... Yeah, I mean, and when I think about that, you know, so what, so like, what is my purpose then? So if that's, if that's what I'm passionate about, then my purpose, I think would be very, you know, it, it seems like it's always an abstract idea. I was listening to another woman earlier today, actually, and she said, well, I think my purpose is to help people heal. 
And I don't know what that looks like, you know, but it's, it's just an abstract. And then however she implements that is going to be unique to her. You know, she, the woman is a fountain of uh, knowledge and I'm sure that um, whatever, you know, however she implements it is going to be amazing. And so when I try to boil it down to like the most simplest, if, you know, albeit abstract terms is to help humanity reach its foot its potential that's I feel like that's why I'm here I think that's what you're doing with your podcast I hope so that's what I'm really trying to do I know from the episodes that I've listened to I definitely definitely got that vibe out of it 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 boosted my day and made me feel like more like in that energy and just another reminder of how I can be that person and help other people be that too oh that's so good yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought my mic was off. It's not. <laughs> Are there other manifestations of that? Uh, what do you mean? So pretty much the only way that I know you is through your podcast. So I just don't know, like, do you oh, have a blog? Okay. Like, am I missing a whole segment of you? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, I have all of these things that, like, I try to use to support you know, this idea, but the podcast is really a means to an end, you know, um, I, uh, this project that I've been working on for, you know, over a decade is an application that rewards people for doing favors for each other. And, um, when I, when I really get into like the minutia of how the app works and what types of problems it solves, I realize that this is exactly showing people like when I was a kid, like I felt like, Oh, we're not living right. And I don't know what living right looks like, but I know that what I'm doing right now, isn't it? Um, I, I, now I realize I've built an application that helps show people how to do that. And it encourages them and um, supports them while they do it. So um, yeah, I mean like, that's my, that's my like striving, you know, driving force in my life is to bring that that application into fruition and to be able to manage the uh, membership and support the membership and encourage them and to, you know, through the resources of, you know, crowdsourcing that membership, bring them all sorts of other things that might um, help support them too. So um, the app is called, well, I think that we'll change the name, but the working name right now is better than barter. Um, so my company's name is better than LLC. And once, you know, the better than barter app is how we can create our membership. Um, but after that, once we have that membership, the things that we could bring, you know, like I said, by crowdsourcing, um, we could have better than, um, health support. We could have better than childcare, better than education, you know, um, ways to help support people, not in uh, the systematic way that we have now, but actually like an alternative to the systems that we have now. Um, and I didn't know that that's what I was actually building when I started building it. But now that I see the big picture and I'm a little bit older and wiser and to understand a little bit more the way the world works, I just get shivers when I think about all of the amazing things that we're going to be able to do. That is so interesting. Can you can you give some examples? 
like how the barter of... system would work? Well, so let's talk about barter, for example, because who do you know that barters, at least on a regular basis mm-hmm. these days? And my guess is almost no one, right? Not very many people. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, I'm totally into it too, but I'm a rose-colored glasses hippie, you know? Um, I always am and giving people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, whatever. But um, the reason that people don't barter as a means of um, production or trade anymore is because there's problems with it. I mean, like, let's be honest, right? Like, um, let's say you work your butt off for somebody to do something for them, and then they never uh, hold up their end of the bargain. They never do the thing that they said, and you just put in all of this effort with them. Well, with better than barter, you can do a favor for somebody and earn a credit and then you can use that credit with anybody else in the membership that you want it doesn't even have to be that person so that solves that problem right away you see what i mean better than barter this is better than barter and so all of the or all of the um different industries that i would like to offer an alternative to addresses the issues that are uh you know compounding problems within that system you know, better than childcare, better than, you know, how, how beautiful would it be to have children and nursing or, you know, um, uh, childcare and nursing homes in the same facility? You know, that to me is a mind blowing way to connect generations and to uh, connect generational wisdom, you know? Yeah, I know. I've always found that idea really disturbing that we like segregate seniors into like these separate spaces as if they don't have anything to offer yeah that's that's insane to me yeah when I want like I want some old 83 year old grandma telling my kids about the world and her experiences and you know explaining history because she understands it in a unique way because she was there like that's important Um, and we don't really have the tradition of like the elderly passing down like the family stories anymore and I don't want that to leave our culture, you know, I really feel like it is, but I, um, it's those uh, stories from our elders that help us understand who we are. Um, and, you know, we have a, a generation, you know, generations, I would say, of lost individuals because we don't really understand who we are. Yeah, that was actually something I, I wanted to ask you as well, um, because I do think that we're kind of in this strange time of like finding this new connection to spirituality that maybe isn't the same story that our our ancestors always always followed it's kind of like people are coming back and finding their own spirituality what what do you think about that i think there's nothing new under the sun you know i think that what the hermetics taught what the gnostics believed what um, Christianity maybe began us and got warped out of is this idea that we are actually God, you know, like if you are the only being in the universe and there's nothing but void around you, um, wouldn't you fracture yourself into a million pieces so that you can experience the 3d physical world? Because being ethereal would Mm -hmm. be boring. 
after time, if you're millennia old, you know, if you're the only consciousness around, I don't know about you, but I like having friends and I like having experience, you know? And so, um, you know, that's what all of these ancient teachings have taught us is that at some point, you know, consciousness fractured itself so that it could come down and experience the 3D world and all of the polarities and all of the dualities, all of the black and white, right and wrong, male, female, you know, good, bad, all of it, because um, that's experience to bring back to itself, to bring back to that consciousness. And so that's kind of how I view human beings. I, I view us as all um, not pieces of God, but as God um, offering an experience back to our collective self. And someday we're going to be able to come home to ourselves and, um, who wants to show up to the party without, you know, party favors, right? Like our, um, our lives on this planet, you know, in, in human life is an opportunity to offer up the best possible contribution, you know, the best possible form of experience. And again, because we live in a, in a world full of dualities, like, we get the choice, right? Like we get the choice of what type of experience we want to have. Um, I personally, there's, um, I'm not a, I always preface this. I don't know why I preface it. Like, like I'm talking to the haters before they actually hate or whatever, but like, I'm not a religious person, but I love reading the Bible and my absolute favorite Bible quote is so simple. And it's from Joshua. It just says, um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's how I feel like, no matter, you know, no matter what I do, I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to um, cultivate my family in a way that is offering a beautiful con a contribution back to that collective. But that's my choice. And that's the side, the side of polarity that I've chosen. And other people don't have to make that same choice. They can choose, you know, maybe I chose the light. Some people choose the dark and they offer uh, just the same amount of powerful contribution back to the collective, but just in a completely opposite way that I have. And that experience also is valuable. Um, and so if it weren't for individual choice, um, that collective experience would be quite boring, wouldn't it? You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have, um, we wouldn't be able to take advantage of all of the polarities that the 3D world is made up, made up of. Um, we're, you know, essentially the physical 3D world is um, duality. You know, when you come down to even the level of the atom, it's positive versus negative, you know, and as above, so below, you know, that's, um, you know, to me, that's like the nature of being a human being. And, you know, people can think I'm crazy for thinking that I'm God, but just remember, I think you're God too. And that's amazing to me that I get to sit here and talk to God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, th I think so much of what repels people about the idea of that is just like the terminology. I, um, I could see that, but I don't, I don't think that that's what it is. I think that if somebody is repelled, it's because they don't want to actually admit how mm. powerful they are because with power comes great responsibility, right? And so if you're just lazing around on your couch, not really getting anything done, not contributing anything good or bad into the world, but you're just neutral, like you're Switzerland, 
that's no contribution. And people realize that. Yeah, they, that's a good point. That's it, a good point. It doesn't feel good when you realize you're wasting your potential. And so when somebody tells you, well, you're God, so why don't you just get up off the couch and go do what God does? You know, they're going to get angry at that because they don't, you know, people don't want to realize that maybe they've wasted time, which I did. I wasted plenty of time, just not understanding myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, though. I think I probably give people the benefit of the doubt, but... I just know how I am as a human being. I am by no means perfect. And I was a person that thought that I could just kind of skate through life and not have to look for a purpose or look for meaning in my life, but it didn't serve me. And it, and um, I didn't start getting anywhere in my life until I realized like, oh, I actually, not only do I have the ability to kind of take the reins or, um, uh, you know, grab the, grab the wheel of the ship or whatever, um, not only do I have the capability to do that, but I also, now that I know that I have the capability, I have the obligation to, and people don't want to be told that they have an obligation, but I also don't believe in telling people that they have an obligation. They have to figure that out for themselves because they're their own version of God and they get to have whatever experience they want. So if they want to reject that belief, that's cool, man. You know, you don't have to live how I live. And um, actually I'm quite, I'm quite interested to see how you live, you know? Um, because we're all so different. And I think that um, you, no matter what level we're at, we can all learn from each other. Yeah, too. totally. And I think I've seen people like find, find God in, in very like alternative ways and like it works for them. You know, whatever that means mm-hmm. to some people, just something I, I think is super mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and I know that people don't like the idea of God, and I just use it because it's the easiest possible word. It's only three letters. I can spit it. You know, I could say back to the collective or back to source or, you know, divinity or whatever, you know, but God, it's just Yeah, and you know what? There's something really cool about, like, reclaiming the use of the word God, too, I think. Mm Because sometimes I actually Mm -hmm. purposely avoid it, even though I, like, believe pretty much pretty similar beliefs to what you just said but I often say like universe I say the universe a lot I often in fact it's only probably I'd say like within the last six months that I've um active or that I've stopped trying to replace the word Mm. god with universe like because I would have to consciously do it and I'm just like in my head it's the same thing you know um you for a long time, I called it the creative wind that blows through the universe. Like, it doesn't fucking matter what you call it as long as you can feel it. You know, it's about feeling it. So it doesn't matter what the word is as long as um, you feel that connection. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I'm glad that I've had this realization because, gosh, it's a lot life is a lot better to live now that that I have these realizations you know yeah so have have you always been connected to your spirituality in that way no uh -uh. um I think that I've always been connected to my higher self even though I didn't necessarily understand what that was and actually when I was younger I was quite afraid of it because um for me um, 
my higher self is like somebody who's always looking over my shoulder at what I'm doing or thinking or saying, and then I'll do or think or say something. And my higher self will say, well, why do you think that? Why do you, you know, and to me, this, this persona in my psyche has always been like a very um, powerful being. And when I was younger, it was very intimidating to me. Like, I felt like if I could let this person take over, like, you know, she could either lift up or demolish the world, whichever she decided. And I didn't know what that, you know, what her personality would do with that type of power. And so I kind of stuffed her stuffed her down a little bit. Um, and I think I forgot how to connect. Um, but um, at some point, at some point, she, I call her she, I know, I know it sounds kind of wild, but, and I, I do understand that this is actually just another facet of my own psyche. But to me, it, it helps to compartmentalize these two personalities because um there are times when I need to tell myself, you know, like, hey, this is actually the wrong way to think. And it's much easier for me to do that. Um, I don't know why. But when I have this other entity um, telling me as opposed to me telling myself as if somehow she's more trustworthy. Oh, I got I you. I got I lots of know. entities. But <laughs> I got like a whole slew. <laughs> I don't even know all the yeah. names of who they so, are. <laughs> you know... I've, I've asked what the name was and the name that came back was similar to mine. So I was like, I don't know if that's right. I think that that's just me inventing a name and I don't, I'm going to wait to see if maybe she has, she, she gives me another name, but, but that relationship with that higher self, that's like the most powerful and satisfying and, um, romantic and fulfilling um, relationship that I have in my life. And um, it wasn't until I stopped being afraid of, I guess, myself until I stopped being afraid of my own power that I was able to actually cultivate that relationship with myself. And um, that is, you know, that's my connection to God. That's my connection to the universe. You know, this, um, you know, it's where your int intuition comes from. It's where, um, your, you know, your spirit lives. And yeah, I'm so thankful that I actually just had the opportunity to cultivate that relationship because I can't really imagine where I would be at if, if I didn't have that ultra supportive, loving energy with me all yeah. the time, you know, was there somebody or something that supported the development of that? Um, well, what happened is it was actually just kind of random. Um, I was listening to music on shuffle and a song came up and I was like just grooving with a song. I had never heard it before and, I, and I'd, I knew the band so I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard the song before. And um, all of a sudden, like it hit me I played this for myself. This is a love song to myself. That's why I'm hearing it right now and I'm appreciating it the way I am because I needed to. I needed to hear these words said to myself so that I could um so that I could be stronger, you know? Like some of the lines of the song are like you have um how does it go? 
you have a face with a beautiful or you've got a face with a view is one of is one of the lines from the song and it just struck me so uh potently and and i just knew and as soon as i had the realization oh this song is for me from me then i felt this huge overwhelming sense of love like tears streaming down my face so happy so happy that like i finally was able to get myself to listen and then after that it's almost like she got really excited because every time i would put on music which isn't very often because i'm really busy and i and i do love to listen to music but i don't get to as often as i want um every time i would put on music it would be another song that was for me from me you know whether it be encouragement or love or um you know what whatever whatever um and it and it happened just like you know, rapidly, rapid fire, you know, I kept getting these messages through songs from her. Um, and then I, I finally just had to be like, okay, you gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta slow down. Like, I feel like you're trying to tell me something, but you're, it's too much. You got too much coming at me. Can we just like sit down and talk about it? And so I just sat with myself and I just, and, and what came out was that, um, I need to stop fighting myself. I need to stop, um, you know, trying to be everything to everyone and actually listen to myself and what myself wants um, because we've got work to do, she and I. We have a lot of work to do and we're not going to get it done if I keep getting distracted and not paying attention to her and what she's trying to tell me. Um, and since then, we've got, uh, we got coherence now, you know. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre to some people, but that's really how I experienced it. And it's become uh, so much more cemented now, you know, since I've, since I realized what was happening and I realized um, that I could uh, incorporate this into my life without being a crazy person, you know, um, it, it's just, like I said, it's the most loving, beneficial, supportive relationship I have in my life now, which did not used to be the case. I used to be my own worst hater, you know? Mm. Yeah, well, I know, I I think art and music and expressive mediums in general are one of the greatest ways to get in touch with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. have all the parts, at least that's how all my parts communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And I've always been um, somebody who really appreciates lyrics in particular. Um, I don't know if you know this band, No Effects. Um, they're a punk rock band. Um, okay, well, that's how old I oh, am. Oh, actually, I do know them. Okay. Um, yeah. They, I love their lyrics. They are so honest and spot which is why I love punk rock in the first place is just the honesty of it but they're so honest and spot on and insightful and there's been times when I hear a song from them or from anybody else you know where it's like whoa you just gave me a download that I really needed you know to like understand the way the world works like you just flipped a switch for me um and so yeah I love music and art too for sure although I'm not as much of an artist as I would like to be people are like well you do hair you're an artist and I'm like yeah not the same thing that's not the same hmm. thing maybe I'm I an artist pod podcasting I think is art conversations being art yeah 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 I like that too um 
for sure. Maybe that's why I like podcasting. You know, if I'm attracted to the music for the lyrics, that's probably because, you know, it's somebody talking to me. So Yeah, your words. Yeah, it's the words. And that's what I love most about podcasting is like, oh my gosh, I have this opportunity to have amazing conversations with people that I would never have got to talk to before. And I can just sit back and absorb everything that they want to share with me. It's amazing, you know, and it is, it, you're right. It is like turning on a song, you know, you're, you're receiving that wisdom and, or that insight through those words, uh, just in different forms. That's a beautiful insight actually. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's why I started the podcast was to exercise the voice word aspect of me because I'm so visual and so abstract that I'm like, I really want to get better at communicating in ways that people can understand all that's going on inside my head. Yeah. Um, I have a new series on the podcast called Me, Myself, and I. Did you listen to that one? Yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> I think it's I, great. I still feel like a crazy person and I've only, well, I've recorded a few, but I've only released the one with Tim. And I think that I told him, I was like, you have to do this on like a regular basis with me so I can gauge how I'm doing. Like, am I, am I getting better at it? I don't know if I, you know, but um, yeah. And what was so interesting about that is um immediately because that's the understanding like we're talking to each other as ourselves then the immediately what happens then is like people's ego just drops you know there's no do you want to share just a little bit about like the idea of the me yeah. me myself and I Does well I just right? feel like you know if we're gonna talk the talk about being all being one and we all come from the collective and you know connection to source and blah blah, blah. I don't know why I want to pick up like a surfer dude kind of vibe when I it's it it used to annoy me it used to annoy me and and I think you know if we're gonna talk the talk then maybe we should walk the walk and why are we not talking to each other as ourselves why are we not talking to each other as honestly and as openly as we would speak to ourselves um because gosh that could solve a lot of problems you know even if it just means improving co communication i mean that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of people have is you know how to communicate so like you were saying like how to communicate all that's going on in here in a way that it makes sense, you know, how to, how to talk to ourselves as ourselves. And so that means, you know, if you think about what that means, that means, you know, dropping vernacular that maybe we're um, egotistically um, attached to or dropping ideas that we're egotistically attached to or whatever, but it requires the dropping of an ego to just be, to just be you know, and then whatever, whatever is said, um, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say things to myself to hurt myself. So, the, so the other person also can have that assumption too, like, oh, she might've said something that maybe I don't agree with, or doesn't feel good to me, but I know she didn't say it to hurt me, you know? And so we can move forward instead of getting angry, we can say, oh, well, actually I feel like this because of that idea that you just expressed. And then that opens up a whole new possible line of conversation um and i'm really excited about it i about the, just the whole experiment of it you know yeah I, I think it's like an exercise that all humans should practice yeah. <laughs> regularly all the time yeah. yeah for sure but like we have to yeah it's like um 
you know, like my little four-year-old, he doesn't get to play video games very much because he's like four, you know, and, and please let's not poison your brain. But um, I do let him play from time to time. And he always gets so frustrated because his little fingers don't move the way he wants. And then his little character doesn't do, do what he wants. And he gets so mad, rah, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. But um, when we're when we're talking, when we're, when we're communicating, um, just because something isn't working doesn't mean that we have to get upset about it. Um, I, I feel like when something isn't working that we can um, actually, that that's like an invitation, right? It's an invitation to look, go deeper, you know, like, oh, there's a miscommunication happening here. What's going on here? You know, is that, is this an ego driven thing? Is it a, a trauma driven thing, which many times it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and going deeper is always good because that just gains us more understanding of each other. You know, I don't know how I got off on that tangent and my little boy playing his video games, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I definitely think it's something that, that people should practice. Yeah. Cause I think if we could all somehow view, like be able to see ourselves in another person at any given time that we'd have more compassion and empathy and, understanding towards them yeah yeah for sure because um it's easy to say that you know like uh bleeding heart liberals who you know say that they want to you know help uplift a community or you know this um you know this group of people need support and and help and compassion and you know they they say these things but then they'll step over a homeless person to get into their mansion you know, mm. and there's a lot of that type of like, um, not just virtue si- signaling. It's not just that it's people trying to find ways to be okay with themselves and not just to be accepted by the outside world, but at, to actually be okay with themselves instead of actually saying, am I okay with this situation that this other person is going through? because that is myself. I could be that person homeless on the street or I could, you know, um, so to, you know, yeah. I mean, empathy is the right word, but it's a little bit deeper than that, isn't it? It's like, um, there is no difference. Yeah, I am that person on the street or I am that person, you know, dealing with this trauma or um, whatever it is. What, even if it's negative emotion at all, I feel like um, I know a lot of people who are really scared about what's going on in the world right now and, and they're living their lives in fear. Like they're truly like, you know, confining themselves at home and not, you know, not going out unless it's absolutely necessary and refusing to see family and all of this stuff, which if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel, you know, but you know that it's driven by a, a level of fear that no one should have to have to live with you know what I mean um yeah no I I know exactly what you mean because I know I I kind of I'm being as careful as I can be but I did decide at the very beginning like if this crosses over a level where where fear is becoming detrimental to my wellness mm-hmm. and my ability to be in the world then that's too far yeah and you know I did the same thing you know, I, I just like one day I was like, this feeling does not serve me. Mm-hmm. And this feeling is not helping me. And it's going to cause me to make bad decisions. 
And so I need to be okay with this. And that's, that's when I started processing, like, how do I feel about death? You know? Oh. And I realized, I, I just realized like, look, you, well, cause you remember like in the beginning, they were showing us, pe- you know, videos of people dropping dead in the streets of China. And they said, this is coming to where you live, you know, and people were terrified and that, that overwhelming, like not in your gut, like, you know, what if I, you know, what if I'm at work and I bring this home to my family and I kill my whole family, you know, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I was, I was terrified. But after about two weeks of that, I was like, I can't do this. I can't live like this. So either I'm going to have to ignore the problem, which doesn't seem smart, or I'm going to have to become okay with dying. And so that's the route I chose. I just really, and, and wow. it wasn't hard. Well, I mean, I just realized like for me and my belief system, if I die, I'm going to go back to the collective and I'm going to, I'm going to be able to experience what it's like to be home with myself again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I crave, you know, that, that feeling of wholeness, you know? So for me, that's a new adventure. That's not, you know, yeah, it's really sad for the people that we have to leave behind. Right. But um, for, I, you know, gosh, there's so many detrimental ideas out in the world. Like this is the end. There's nothing after this. There's no point to any of this or, you know, heaven forbid that you were a bad person and you're going to hell and, you know, or if you played your cards just right and, you know, you sucked this, this priest's ass enough times, you know, like to get, you know, your entrance into the pearly gates, then you'll be all right, you know, but just make sure that you do all of the things that you're supposed to do before you die. How does that help anyone that doesn't help us. But what does help us is to know that we don't know what is after this, we know what we know what's going on right now, and we know what we can do right now. And so the next part of it is just an adventure you know, like the true sense of adventure where we don't know what's going to happen. And it doesn't even matter because we're going to go for that ride, whether we want to or not, you know, unless you're a transhumanist or something, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so why live in fear now? It's going to happen. It's the nature of human beings. We're going to die. There's nothing that we can do about that. So why not just live? Why not just live and not be afraid, you know? What I'm still trying to wrap my head around, though, is the idea of the people that I love dying. I mm-hmm. I still can't sit well with that. Well, I know I processed a lot of death things when I was really sick. I kind of integrated, I guess, the whole idea. I guess I got really comfortable with the possibility or just, like, what it meant. Just being sick so young, I was like, oh, this thing ends. Um mm-hmm. And I can't say that I'm really an actual believer that we die. Mm-hmm. I have some kind of intuitive belief that, like, we don't actually die. I don't know what that means, but that that's a thing. I think, yeah, no, I think about it in terms of science. Like, the, science can't explain what consciousness is. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't. All they know is that there is a form of energy that's in your body that leaves when you die. 
And if that's all our consciousness is, is energy, well, you can't kill energy. Energy doesn't die. It either transmutes or moves. Yeah. That's all it does. And so if when we die, our, our consciousness or our energy leaves here, who knows where it goes after this? I don't even try to speculate. I don't even try. I just, um, I just know, like you said, I know intuitively that I'm not ever going to die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I did, my brother passed away a couple years ago, and I actually, I get messages from him from time to time, and that was- Do you want to share them? Um, they're, they're basically just, like, these little findings that I find when I'm on the right path, and then mm-hmm. I'll, like, stop getting the messages when I'm not, like, in tune with myself and being on the right path, whatever that means, but, like, following mm-hmm. myself- So there's Mm -hmm. not anything specific, but it's kind of like, I think, the way that the universe talks to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just like weird synchronicities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's exactly the same as like the whole music thing with me. You know, my, my higher self sending me songs to listen to because there's messages in them that I need to hear. Yeah, it. You know, my higher self knows that I'm acutely a you know, in tune with music. So um, that's how it communicates, you know. My dad, though, I have to say, has had some, I would say, almost literal confrontations with what might be even a ghost or whatnot. He had some really weird things going on with his watch. His He had this watch that he, like, had to send it back to the store, like, three times because it would not stop resetting to the exact, I think it was the time when my brother passed away. And it would not stop. And even the watch company was like, this is, like, unheard of. Like, we we don't know what's wrong with this watch. Huh. Yeah. I wonder, what was your brother's character? Is he giving your dad a hard time? Or is he trying to remind him of something? Or what do you think? He had a really wonderful sense of, like, dark humor. Oh. Yeah. What a jerk. (laughs) Well, I don't I don't think he's being a jerk. I I think no. I think it's just like this satire. I would mm-hmm. say that's kind of some of the messages that I get. And there's dad, I'm haunting you. But there's like this ongoing thing with like a penguin and a banana and like just like these different characters that he would draw and like they're pretty pretty oh my goodness. pretty comical. Wow. Hmm. I always hope that my loved ones, my loved ones are going to come back and haunt me. You know, I mean, I do a little bit. I'm like, how cool would it be to be like, hey, you were important enough to me when I was alive that I'm going to come back and I'm just going to do this one little, I'm going to play this little trick on you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, th- I think the the ghost haunting that, no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a haunting, but it was just more yeah. physical things than like the things I've experienced are very ethereal and like. You couldn't really put them into words, but that that was like within the first six months. Okay. Huh. Yeah, those are those. These are the types of conversations that really, um, really make me feel like I'm pushing like the boundaries of my comprehension. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
because we don't know right like we don't know what happens after this and we'd like to think you know like um when i was 13 my grandma passed away and my mom had taken care of her for a really long time um she was really really ill and my mom took care of her for i think about a year and a half or two years and then after she passed away my grandma's family just like treated my mom horribly um you know, like accused her of stealing from my grandma, which my mom would never do. She would never do that, you know? Mm. And, and, um, you know, she, I mean, she, she cared for, you know, these people's sister, you know, this was like her aunts and uncles, you know, just really being awful to her. Um, and I thought, I remember thinking I was really young. I think I was 13. Yeah. At the time, I remember thinking, you're going to use this as an opportunity to hurt someone. Yeah, that that is such a troubling factor. Yeah. I mean, it, it that's the moment when you should, you know, especially like the person who really dedicated themselves to helping the person. Um, and you're, and you're going to try to hurt them. And what does that say about you? And what does that say about where you're at? You know? Um, yeah. So it's amazing to me how all of the motifs around death really, I mean, it, it pushes other than the fact that if I died, I would be okay with it. You know what I mean? Other than that, um, it, it just pushes the limits of what I can understand or perceive or into it or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, it's for me, it's kind of like a reminder of like, I guess a respectful, not knowing, mm -hmm. but like loving trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust in the universe. Yeah. Trust in your brother. Yeah. Trust in my trust in my grandmother too, you know. Yeah, and it's I did I had that belief about death already like established before that. So I don't know if I would have mm -hmm. perceived it a lot differently. Because because you were yeah. sick. What were you what was your illness? What? Um I have a genetic condition that causes a whole lot of problems and it had caused this more severe problem with like my brain stem and I had to get surgery and I've since been doing like 90% better so wow but you I mean that's super serious especially like surgery and everything so you were really forced like to deal with it huh yeah I mean it was it was pretty serious and there was just a lot of unknowns and like I didn't know what would happen and I didn't know and I tried my best like not to get hooked on any of because when you're trying to understand things I'm sure you know what I mean like you want to learn and you want to understand what's out there but you don't want to get hooked on the narratives and the stories around mm -hmm. other people's experiences so that was really terrifying mm -hmm. um, yeah I feel really lucky how do you think it was that you, so you understood that as, as a young kid, like, oh, I can't let other people determine what's going to happen to me. I have to live out my own story. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I learned, I integrated more of that and like got even more into that during the time when I was sick because I was like forced to have all that time with myself. And I was like, okay, well, if mm -hmm. I'm sick, I better, like, make sure that my mind is, like, in the best shape that it can be. And that's when I started 
reading a bunch of books on like self-improvement and getting more into my own spirituality. Yeah, that's awesome. How old were you? I was 21. Oh, okay. Okay. So you weren't young, no. young, young. Okay. No, that would be okay, that would be still intense. 20. That would be like a little spirit angel on the yeah. planet. <laughs> I know, right? Indigo child or something. But still like 21 is a baby. Like I think about how I was when I was 21. Oh my gosh. I was so naive and so like laissez-faire, you know? I was before then in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, an experience like that is going to sober you up real quick. You know, it's going to make you kind of, well, I don't have to tell you, you know, like appreciate everything, oh, yeah. right? And uh, see relationships and circumstances and um, messages from the ether or whatever in an entirely different way. I used to look at synchronicities like, like, oh, that's funny, you know, yeah. and now, and now I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like all the thoughts that I had in the back of my mind that were swimming there somewhere that I was like, yeah, maybe kind of. They were mm -hmm. just like, yes, now, listen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like once you connect with that part of yourself, it becomes quite insistent, you know? Mm. Yeah. Do you experience that with your painting? The need to paint? No, just an insistence of what it of what it's going to be or, or like a knowing when you put your brush down or or whatever mm. I don't know what it's gonna be usually you it's just more yeah let it's it like go a, it's it's not that I it's not that I let it go it's like a communication like a back yeah. and forth I gotcha because I'm looking at this one behind you with like the double helix that is so beautiful and or at least that's what it looks like to me as a double helix but um and there's like so much different symbolism in there. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty wonderful. And so you don't plan it. It just starts and comes out on its own, huh? Somewhat. I mean, I've been focusing, well, I'm kind of ending that, but for a long time, years, in fact, I was obsessed with like studying these natural patterns, um, like a form. So that's why the like people see the double helix or they see cells or they see galaxies and it's like yes mm -hmm. all of the things because um basically my goal is to like produce things that look like they could be worlds but you can't tell what scale they're at yes oh yeah i definitely see that and this one um it looks almost like a cross between tree branches and veins yeah 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 that's really beautiful huh well, thank you yes i'm i think yeah you just got a new fan <laughs> awesome yeah do you have yeah, your the... paintings in all your podcasts um uh, well i guess um although we just record audio oh okay okay <laughs> dang you could be selling some paintings lady you just have them on your podcast Shoot. I, I've probably got to start YouTubing. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my editor, what he said to me that finally convinced me, because he had been talking to me for a while, but he was like, why don't you want to be where the people are? That's where the people are. And even if you don't agree with the platform or you don't agree with, 
you know, how, how it's all monetized and all of that, like, that's where the people are. And you want to reach the people. If you want to talk to the people, you have to go where they are. Mm -hmm. So what are you, why are you resisting it? And when he put it that, like, why are you resisting that? I said, well, I don't want to do that. I do want to talk to the people. I do. Okay. You're right. Damn it. I do need to go where the people are. (laughs) It was all right. Well, it sounds like I got to go where the people are. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But there's so many, um, there's so many different, different ways you can do it. Like, um, there's some platforms where if you upload to YouTube, they'll actually just automatically upload to their platform too. Hmm. They'll just like swipe your channel and, and put it up on your channel on their platform. Um, so that you can get more exposure that way too. It's really kind of exciting. And I don't know, this is like kind of new, new, new algorithms that I'm not really understanding all that well. I just know that they work really slick and they save creators a lot of time, a lot of time. Thank you. Thank you for your inspiration. (laughs) Good. Yeah. I'm just trying to get there too. That's what, (laughs) what's, what's your favorite thing that you're working on these days? Um, I have finally, um, I've finally uh, found the right tech person to be able to help me bring my app into the world. And when I talk to this person, we are so much on the same page. Like at first I was quite skeptical. I was like, because I have a streak of paranoia in me. So I'm like, wait a minute, is this guy some sort of psyop and he's just going to steal all of my trade secrets and then go and build my app without me or something like that, you know, because I'm a very paranoid person. And, and, but then I realized, no, we are so aligned in our thinking because we see the world the same way and we see ourselves the same way. And isn't that the perfect person to be working on this project with? Um, and so when I asked him how he felt about it, he was like, you know, quite honestly, I cannot wait to come on board. And so it was just like the, and, and totally by, totally by chance in the universe bringing us together that we were able to even recognize each other's usefulness and, um, uh, recognize that, that we have the same goals, you know, we want to create alternatives. So That's, I have to say, that's my favorite thing that I'm working on right now, but I have actually four different projects that I'm working on. So, and they're all really like near and dear to my heart, you know, so it's hard, but I mean, because that's the one that I've been obsessed with my whole life, basically my whole adult life. um, I would have to say that's my favorite. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It sounds like all the proper seeds are planted. I think so. I think so. And now that I'm finally able to pay attention um, and look for advantage and to see the opportunities when they present themselves, um, like I said, like once that happens, once that lines up for someone, it's like the universe trips over itself to help. You know, it knows what you want and you finally figured out how to communicate to the universe what you want. And it's just like, oh, here you go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know why I'm forgetting the name of this thing. What was the thing that Jessa set up? It's online. Imagination Project. Yes. Why was I blinking on that? Oh, my gosh. 
Have you been on there? Have you checked yeah, it out? Yeah. That's awesome. I um I signed up on there. Oh, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. It reminded yeah. me of that. In a way. Yeah. Like we're trying to we're trying to help people, like help, you know, help people and encourage people to realize their full potential. And um I've had the opportunity to talk with her a couple of times and she said the same thing, you know, she's like, I, I don't know what else to do. I feel like I'm channeling Jessa now. I don't know <laughs> what else to do. So I'm just going to do this, you know, and I'm like, that's me too. I don't, I, there's nothing, I can't, there's nothing else I can do because this is all I can think about. This is what I have to do. I think that's how the best things get born. I mean, that's how all the <laughs> random things I make get born. <laughs> But it's, yeah, like you said, it's how the best stuff gets born. You know, it's like something, somebody, someone was so utterly compelled that for some people it ruins their lives, right? Like their, their families leave them because they become so obsessed and, you know, then, or, you know, whatever, like it turns out to be like, you know, one of the most helpful inventions to all humanity or whatever, like Nikola Tesla, Mm -hmm. you know, saying everybody thinks that he died you know crazy in a hotel room with a pigeon but we don't know like we don't know Nikola Tesla's life you know other than he was completely obsessed with the way the world works and how to use that to human beings advantage you know um yeah it's and I think that that's how that's how human beings are supposed to function our imagination gives us a um an inkling, you know, and then it begins to fester and then it begins to take shape. And then pretty soon that, that shape turns into a picture and the picture turns into a story. And before we know it, we've created something amazing, you know, because we couldn't, we couldn't put it down or, or, or it wouldn't, it wouldn't put us down. It wouldn't leave us alone. That's how I think of it. Yeah, no, I do too. And I, I think it's a shame that like so much of the school systems, it's almost like they train kids to like turn that thing off because they're supposed to be paying attention mm-hmm. to whatever else. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, our school system is based off of the Prussian school system, which was um, designed during the Industrial Revolution. The, the school system, that system was designed to address the issue of how do you have competent workers? Hmm. And so that's why all of the desks are in a row and you live your day by a bell, you know, like. But also, you know, the really insidious part of that is that if you want good workers, you can't have individuals, you know, you need a cog, you need cogs in the wheel who don't think for themselves, but are smart enough to carry out orders. Um, And that's the education system that we have in the United States. That's the education system for the most part in Canada. Um, I think Europe still has a strong Um, attachment to like classical education so maybe they're a little bit better off than we are but um, yeah it's I mean it's by design it's by design to rip away any sense of individuality that children have you know sense of play Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you think that could look like in the new world I think children could be teaching the adults you know I think that um, kids want to learn about whatever they're interested in and they're able to understand really deep concepts in a way that 
takes adults years to understand because they don't have any blocks. They don't have any programming that they have to work through to in order to justify um, a belief in an experiment. The kids don't care. They just go out and they experiment, you know? And so I think that if we can find the correct environment and paired uh, with the correct adults for guidance, I think that, you know, maybe that is how the education system should be is, is what can you, what can you beautiful children who are much closer to source than we are teach us about the world today and what can we build together? You know, that's such an interesting idea. I heard a eight year old explain quantum physics once and he did it so much more eloquently than any, I mean, any other scientist you could or physicist you could imagine he just said it so um so perfectly and i don't want to try to quote him because i would just butcher it i'm terrible at quoting but like basically um oh okay i'm not going to try to quote him but this is very similar to what he said there's this i think it's a roomy idea um that says you are not a drop in the ocean you are the ocean in a drop and that is about as close as i can get to explaining this child's idea of quantum physics but he said it in a way that totally um lent um validity to you know polarized opposites and but understanding that the world um as a holograph makes much more sense than trying to um, understand it in a physical hard copy solid you know sort of way um, and it was I mean he was using scientific terminology but it was spiritual you know and I thought well this guy should be like giving lectures at Harvard you know <laughs> his grasp of it was so intense and mm. so perfect you know that's beautiful mm -hmm. oh it was beautiful what do you do to support your kids um, I try to encourage play as often as possible, but I just, um, you know, we homeschool and so beyond like reading assignments and, and some math, um, I just explore them or, um, encourage them to explore. So we have what I've been told is an overwhelming amount of craft supplies in our house. <laughs> <laughs> they take up every cupboard, you know, and endless um, different types of, you know, Japs and Japanese wood puzzles and um, things that kind of encourage their minds to have to use a different way of thinking. Um, but also, I just take them outside, like anything that we can do outside where they're observing nature, they're observing you know, like the formation of the rocks and they're observing the way ants communicate and work together and they're observing the way of flower unfolds, you know, you can, you can explain a mathematics by, um, you know, a time, time-lapse photography of a flower unfolding, you know, and so I, I try to just expose them to as many different opportunities and people also, I try to expose them to many people that are going to appreciate them and that are going to want to help them learn. And I feel like that way you really can't go wrong. 
you know. And then also we're going to start learning Latin because I feel like if you know the root language, you're going to understand a much wider vocabulary. So, um, but yeah, it's, I wouldn't say what we do is unschooling. It's um, just structured around what my kids need for the day, you know. That's so cool. I hope so. I mean, we'll find out in about 20 years if it worked out okay, you know. (laughs) I get a sense that all parents feel like that. Yeah. And I know children I'm too scared. So. Yeah. Well, just know that like children don't come with instruction manuals and every single parent ever, even if they only have five kids or even if they already have like five kids, like they've never done this before. You know, it, it's there's no instruction manual. And so all parents are just flying by the seat of their pants. They have no idea what they're doing. And the ones that think that they do Mm. seem like they're doing the worst job. (laughs) Yeah, that sense of certainty is probably dangerous. I think so, especially when it comes to children. Unless you're a parent who's really in tune and really understands your child. But even then, I feel like adults just seem to have this, uh, not narcissistic, but like kind of holier than thou type of attitude because well I understand child psychology so that means that I understand what you're thinking and what and how you're feeling and children just get irritated and frustrated like how dare you say that you know me you know um at least my kids do um when when they encounter that which is sometimes my my um middle child was in uh public school for a couple of years um and he definitely had that experience like wait a minute you don't know me you don't know you know what makes my heart beat or what you know what I'm thinking about when I close my eyes and this is how my kid talks like he's amazing but (laughs) um yeah there's so much projecting yourself onto children or projecting the outside world onto children that is just so unfair and so limiting and if we can just like let them be free to express themselves and to let us and and allow them to have a feeling of trust like if there's something that I want to learn about or something that I don't understand I trust you to come to you and you're going to help me find you're not going to tell me the answer you're going to help me find the answer um I think if, if we could parent and teach children in that way like, you know, I mean, I said it earlier, like the endless possibilities, you know, children, and that's what children are. They're, they're infinite possibilities, you know, they're really like, I mean, if there's magic on earth, it's in children for sure, you know. I, I think more people should remember that. Yeah. And I, I need to get better at remembering it too, because it's all fine and good and it sounds beautiful. Right. But like when you're already 10 minutes late for where you were going and your children are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's totally different when you yeah. live with them. I can remember that yeah. very easily from afar. <laughs> it's yeah, it's very different in world, real world application, but um, it's something to strive to remember, you know, like they're already perfect. They're already on their path. And my job is to not, not make them stray off of that path, you know? Yeah. Because I don't know. Yeah. My, my middle son was saying, um, he realized that grownups grow up 
or they've grown up and that they're not, they've forgotten how to be children. He realized it and he, we were talking about it and he said, that makes me feel icky. And I said, I know, I know it was heartbreaking. And I said, do you know what? I said, I forgot how to be a kid. And he just looked like he was going to cry. And I said, but no, no, hold on. Like, I'm I'm remembering, I'm remembering how to be a kid. And so now you already know how to be a kid. And since I can, I'm remembering, I can help you to not forget. And he was like, yes. He's like, I don't ever have to grow up all the way. And I was like, hold on. (laughs) Because when you're grown up, you can choose when you want to be a grown up. And when you want to be a kid, and sometimes you're going to put the two of those together, but the trick is to not forget or don't forget how to be a kid, you know? And he was like, yeah, I can do that. I can remember how to be a kid, you know? And I think he will, you know, especially because he has like a crazy mom who's willing to help him remember as he gets older. I'm, I'm nervous about teen years, you know? Um, yeah, like 16-year-old testosterone. I don't even know what that's going to look like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember being a 16 year old girl and what those hormones look like. And you know what I mean? But I don't know. I, my kids have it a lot better than I did though, you know? So I think they'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like you have a really good sense of what you're doing. Don't let me fool you. Nobody does. <laughs> well, I mean, in the realm of kids. No, no. I mean, I think it's possible to try to do as little harm as as possible while doing as much good as possible. But that's the best anybody can really hope to do. The littlest amount of harm with the most amount of benefit, you know. And here's, I mean, if that's not difficult enough to try to wrap your head around in, in terms of another human being. Um, you want your kids to have a better life than you had, you know, when you were young, especially if you had it rough, but my experiences are what made me who I am. So if I'm this person, because I had trauma and tribulation and those types of things, um, and some of the, you know, weakest minded people that I know are ones that have always had everything handed to them. They've always had a comfortable life. I don't want that for my kid, you know? So it's like, how can I let him have enough trauma (laughs) so that he learns life lessons without crushing his beautiful spirit? You know, like parenting is rough, man. It's rough. I I applaud all parents, especially right now. With the, the time yeah. that we're in, I know it must be incredibly difficult. Just like with my, my 19 year old told the boys who are eight and four that in 2020 children are illegal <laughs> because we can't, we, I don't want to bring them to the stores and I don't want to, yeah. you know what I and mean? So their energy so rather, is just all over the place. Oh yeah. Like, especially now it's like, um, I don't know, like. 12 15 below zero like they cannot go outside like they will lose fingers if they go outside you know so it's like okay but I mean it it just cracked me up because like that's how she dealt with them being like why can't I go to the store with you I want to go let's go to so-and-so's house and we're like dude we're not doing that you know COVID sorry bud and she's like no you don't understand children are illegal so you're just gonna have to stay home and they were like oh okay (laughs) 
<laughs> that's so funny <laughs> whatever works I I know whatever, whatever yeah, whatever works. I was like, Rena, you know that they're going to be talking about you to their therapist when they're in their 20s, right? And she's like, oh, I know it's worth it. I'll take the hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, thank you um, so-, so much for sharing all of this with us tonight. This, this yeah. was such a beautiful, intense, awesome conversation. <laughs> Do I come across as like super intense? I don't know. I try not to. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that you were intense. It was just okay. we really went through like a full spectrum of like reality, death, parenting. Like we got all the basics covered. <laughs> yeah, no joke. We sure Ghost did. And it was like, I know. And it was like a super fun conversation, even with all of those topics. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, no, I had a blast. Thank you so much. So my last uh, question that I'd like you to leave our audience with is um, I'd like you to give everybody a challenge for the week. Mm. A challenge for the week. I want you to write. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour. You might have to step away and come back the next day, but I want you to write about what you think your purpose might be. And when you write something that makes you cry, you know that you found your purpose. Um, so I want you, and then if you can go wherever they're able to comment, um, go to Jasmine's uh, po or j- this episode on Jasmine's. Um, podcast and leave a comment as to what you think your purpose is there there's your challenge thank you so much I love that I I think (laughs) that we can leave comments on the main site okay if you can leave comments on the main site otherwise they'll be scattered all over the (laughs) internet but it doesn't really otherwise if you can't figure out how to leave a comment you can send me an email (gasps) there there you go yeah So send, yeah. yeah, send her an email, right? Until you cry and you discover your purpose and then send it. Yeah. And then we can share these in the future on a future. Yeah. Episode. As anonymously as you want or yeah, exactly. That sounds like a great idea. Oh my gosh. Think about all the different possibilities out there that people are going to come up with. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Yeah. And if you hear yeah, this at so any welcome. point in time, send them in. Well, I'll, I'll, keep sharing them as they come in yeah why not yeah yeah and if uh uh added or you know extra credit homework um share how you how you think you might implement your purpose all right well thank you so much Lindsay. do you want to leave any of your uh social media links with everyone um i mean you know, check out Better Than Podcasts. And um, if you want to message me, I guess you could message me. I'm Elmafa1 on Instagram. Um, check out the Better Than YouTube channel. You know, just all the spots if you're interested and you want to hear more about like the guests that I've had and all of these like crazy theories and ideas that I have. Um, you can do that or go to betterthan.world. That's where I'm updating, um, you know, how my, my projects are going. So. Okay, perfect. And we'll we'll put the link to your podcast in the description so you guys can find us there. Awesome.
Well, I hope that everybody has an awesome rest of their week, and I'll talk to you again next week for more Archives for Aliens. Bye.